On this episode of Talking Schmidt, Justin Kleinert back with me for the entire show as we discuss what's going on in the world of college football and some major what-if scenarios. If you didn't have any conference alignments, I'll have more on that and more in this show coming up next. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 24 of Talking Schmidt. We're almost at the quarter century mark, and my guest again because we have to really keep focusing, I guess, on college football since that's kind of been the biggest news. And he was on with me Tuesday. I figured bring him back in so we can continue talking about college football. Uh, that's kind of where all eyes are right now. Uh, Justin Kleiner, welcome back in, man. Uh, I, I appreciate you joining me here uh, to talk a little bit more about college football. I hope you're not uh, tired of it yet. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, it is special that I'm joining you today. Uh, today is one of the greatest blessings of my wife's birthday, uh, second only to uh, the day that I buried my beautiful bride. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a pleasure as always. So just a happy birthday to Adelie. She turned five today. Uh, and I've carved some time out of my very busy schedule to sit down and talk with you all about some college football. Now, I don't want anybody here to think that I, like, forced you to do this. I did text you and said, hey, man, if, it, you know, if, if you want to, you know, you don't have to do this show. Cody and I can talk about it because we'd already been talking about it at the gym. So I was like, if he doesn't want to do it, I'm not going to be like, I don't want anybody to think like, oh, man, he should be spending time with his family. But bedtime's at 8, so this, this all works out because we're recording after 8, right? Well, works out very well, you know, for anybody that loves me, so me, it's me. That's so. true. That is true. All right, man, let's go ahead and jump into the action here and talk a little bit about what we know, what transpired, um, what we kind of thought was going to happen. The Big Ten did announce that they weren't going to play college football this fall. Uh, they have plans. I air quote, you can't see that if you're obviously listening to this, but I air quoted around plans to play in the spring. Um, the Pac-12 followed suit shortly after that. However, the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 said, you know what, not so fast, sweetheart, uh, to, co- uh, to quote Coach Lee Corso there. They still want to see what's going on. They said the medical experts have been the same, and they don't understand with what they've been doing and what medical ex- experts have been telling them. They felt that they could still have a fall season. Justin, let's try to make some sort of sense of what's going on here. Well, you can't make any sense of what anybody in the Pac-12 or the Big 10 did. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, they're they're doing what they want to do is leftist elite academia. Uh, they're not worried about sports, uh, but you know, so you really can't say much about them other than just they just don't care about football. They don't want to see football be played. Uh, it's not important to them, so they don't care. Uh, and their so-called plan that they say they have it might as well be an Elizabeth Warren plan because. It, there, there's there's no substance to it. You, if football isn't played in the fall, it's not going to be played in the spring. No. And I've said it before, if, if football is not played in the fall, no other college sport will be played again until the fall of 2021 if a school or conference chooses not to play. That's just the way it's going to work. Uh, because if you're, if you're going to use a certain bar – if you're going to set a bar to where you need to be for sports to play or not, uh, you're probably never going to get anywhere close to that. Uh, and, you know, really the only sport that's turning a profit in 
college football right now, or in you know college athletics, is the football department. You know, nobody else is really bringing in that revenue. Uh, but you know, when you talk about the grand scheme of things with college football, uh, you know, obviously the SEC is the straw that starts to drink in college football. You know, I understand there's some fans out there of other teams. Uh, but let's just be completely honest here. The SEC is a straw that stirs the drink. Uh, I think Greg Sankey has done a great job. Again, you know, he is a real common sense person, uh, middle of the road. You know, I don't think he's as loud and boisterous as I would probably like him to be at times. Uh, but he's always real calm, cool, and collected uh, when it comes to making decisions about stuff like this. Uh, and, you know, he says, look, you know, we're, we're going to work with him, you know, the information we have and as it changes – you know, we may change what we're doing one way or another. Uh, you know, so they're not committing that it's going to be a hundred percent go, but they're not committing to a hundred percent stop either. And so, uh, you know, I just don't see if you're the commissioner of the of the Big Ten, you know, you can't go from Thursday of last week saying, you know, I feel comfortable enough letting my son play, and then to Friday releasing the schedule, and then over the weekend just canceling college football altogether. This just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So. Uh, <laughs> it's it's really struggling times right now for college football, uh, but again, you know, there's going to be teams that find a way to play, uh, and it's going to be some really good competitive football. Yeah, I I, I was kind of you know one of the things that you have to look at, and I think some of the people that you know are, are kind of getting shafted by this deal, if you will. Um, obviously, we know the FC, FCS teams that still want to play, but also um, you still have teams like Army, uh, BYU, Liberty, New Mexico State. <laughs> these people who play these independent schedules who are sitting there saying, um, hey, what about us guys? We still need, you know, games. I believe New Mexico State, because of they play a lot of Conference USA teams, and the Conference USA team suspending things, not really certain if they're going to play or not. Um, they haven't made their decision. It's supposed to be made, as we're recording this, it's supposed to be made tonight at some point from Conference USA. Uh, they're kind of sitting there wondering because they only have four games now left on their schedule. They have reached out to some of the bigger teams from the Power Five and uh, uh, conferences that are still around to see if maybe they can slide a game in or, or not to just try and play. But then again, they're also running into an issue in New Mexico uh, where their governor has literally said that she didn't really want college football to play anyway. So now we have New Mexico State who's still trying to play. New Mexico, I believe, has already said that they're not going to play. Um, but, you know, Sunbelt still saying that they're going to play. Uh, Conference USA not making their decision. You just kind of feel for some of these teams because you really don't know, you know, if, if you have a team like Army who does play an independent schedule, do they pop in with the ACC? Do they pop in with, you know, the SEC? I, I would kind of feel bad for Army jumping in the SEC, but, you know, <laughs> who do you pop into? Do they do they try to go with the ACC? Do they try to Big 12? You know, obviously, uh, being up in West Point, you know, it'd probably be better to go with the ACC, but again, you know, what I worry about with some of these, is with some of these conferences is once we get to the state level, how are those people who are in power positions going to handle this when they know, you know, say an area like Virginia, where you have the Cavaliers, do, do do they try to make sure, well, you can't play games in Virginia then? So do they have to be on the road all the time? That's one of the things that I think we haven't really talked about about this, is what do we do when we get to the local level with some of these elected officials? Yeah, so you, you brought up an excellent point uh, with gubernatorial leadership at the state level. Um the positives that we're seeing, and we're going to, we're going to talk about the positives uh, because uh, optimists win, uh, and so we're going to talk about the positive. 
uh, every state governor that's come out supporting college football has done it 100%. Uh, they see the need in it, not only for not just the student athletes uh, and not just the schools, uh, but, you know, the fans. Uh, you know, the, the, the government with this little shutdown with the pandemic has drove a freaking Mack truck through people's houses. And somehow now it's got to be all put back together and everything's just in shambles right now. So I think, you know, these governors coming out supporting it. Look, they, football is different when when you talk about the ACC and the SEC and, and you know, maybe the, the Big 12. But that's a different – the fan basis, it, it, mean, it just means more to them. Uh, it's something you don't get with, you know, a lot of your professional sports. But, man, college football just means a lot to these people. So I think these governors seeing the importance to come out and stand up for it. And a lot of them, really, I mean, like Greg Abbott in Texas is willing to fight for college football to exist. Uh, so I think you're going to see it happen. I think it's going to be unique, you know, how the, you know, how it actually falls. I, you know, I don't know. Uh, but you're going to get some good matchups, you know. Virginia's governor, man, Ralph Northam, correct me if I'm wrong there, I think that's the governor of uh, Virginia or West Virginia. He's one of the two. I think he may be West Virginia. Uh but, you know, I don't really know where they're going to fall. Uh, but you're going to have some, you know, I would think Army is still planning on playing football. Uh, do have, uh, I just uh, I just got a text uh, that Tennessee Tech now has two money games for this upcoming year on the books. So that's pretty good news out of the FCS level. Uh and they uh, also heard earlier today that the FCS at the NBC level, six teams have already said they're playing. Good. So good news there. Keeps, good news keeps rolling. Uh, of course, you know you don't hear it like you do the bad because the coronavirus bros are so loud. Uh, but uh, but some good good news there. But kind of back to FBS because we know that's what everybody wants to talk about. Uh, I think you know the SEC staying within the SEC is going to create maybe some scheduling problems. Uh, but as open-minded as Greg Sankey is, I think if you know you could add a few more games in there, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I mean, would you? No, I believe those money games as well. It looks like Saturday the twelfth against TCU at TCU, um, and then Saturday the nineteenth at Southern Miss. That's the most current schedule that we have for Tennessee Tech. So that yep. might change, obviously, to maybe SEC squads if they worry about uh, area, but I feel like that would probably be what um, the games would be for Tennessee Tech at this point. Yes, correct. So they, they've got two, you know, two, not huge money major games, but, uh, you know, they're like I said, them and, and five other schools are planning on playing in the OVC. Uh, so that is good news. Uh, but like I said, with the lack of leadership at the presidential level at Austin P right now, we don't have an early line or a read or anything like that. I think Whiteside is the interim president. Our first day on the job was like yesterday. Yes. Uh, so I haven't heard anything from that yet. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that I had, and one of the things that I think that people want to talk about here before uh, we head to our first break in this episode, but one of the things that, that has kind of caught my attention is, you know, obviously, we know that there's such there's there's a big rift, and I know you know there's a political rift that we have anyway in this country, um, but and and that's kind of putting it, I think, mildly and, and lightly. But 
you know, one of the things that we're looking at is, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, if they play, they're not really taking the player's uh, health in consideration because we do have a global pandemic. And then on top of that, uh, we also have the fact that now they're trying to say, well, let's play, play a spring season and then also expect these kids who will be freshmen, sophomore, juniors who will come back if they come back, or even some seniors who might have a fifth-year eligibility or, or six-year eligibility. Matt Weiner did exist. Um, when you have when you have situations like that, you're expecting these guys to play two seasons uh, in a calendar year. How does that? How is that helpful to them? Yeah, I, I've done it before, and I'll continue to do it, and I'm going to do it right now. <clears throat> You have to call bullshit when you see it, and that's what that is. You, you can't tell me that you're concerned about a player's health because of the coronavirus, but tell me that you're not concerned with them playing two football seasons in one calendar year. Do they not realize how tough it is already being a football player? You expect them to play two seasons? That is more detrimental to their health than coronavirus. And if you want to be right honest to it, their chances of dying in a car wreck on the drive to campus is higher than their risk of dying from contracting the coronavirus. So I understand there are some 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 medical issues. I know there was a write-up that came out uh, that a nurse friend of mine sent to me. Uh, he, he's a special cardiovascular nurse, and he did tell me about it. It seems pretty serious. But again, it, it seems like it only targets very small numbers of people. Uh, and so again, like we've said, if there is if there needs to be a medical exemption, let that medical exemption exist. Um, but you can't tell me you're concerned. This is the whole problem with these Corona bros and these leftist elitists in the media attack on college football is they don't, <laughs> they have no idea what they're talking about. They're not educated on it. They're not educated on the sport of football. They don't understand how it works. And so they're, they're, they want to throw you know, the health risk but then they turn around and they don't want to, you know, they want these guys to play two back-to-back seasons. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that, on Justin. I, I saw that, and I know there's been a lot of players who've also voiced concerns, uh, some of the Big Ten players who are saying that. Uh, for some of these guys, and I and I feel, you know, when you go back and you look at it, there's a lot of athletes who are also getting upset because obviously football players are, you know, are at this point are being upset, which rightfully so, they deserve it. You know, I mean, you look at the end of, uh, you know, I guess, you know, probably not a huge a lot of people who are out there you know following the world of track and field but you know the track and field had their championships taken away from them last year um college basketball had their championship taken away from them last year and uh you know nothing really came to support them or to help them but again you know i'm sure those guys if they were given the opportunity they would have done it you know nobody let them really make that decision i mean there was literally teams on their way to track and field championships when it was canceled they were on on their way um same with basketball there was teams who were literally playing in their conference championships who had already punched their tickets heading to those original who, who sites were, who were at halftime yes at they, halftime they were at halftime when, when some of their seasons were canceled and I know, listen, we know how big football is, so so forgive forgive me and the show for not talking more about um, the other sports that were affected. That That is not any shade toward those sports or those athletes. Uh, they are just as important, and their health is just as important as that of football players. Um, but with the audience at large and the mass population, what they want to talk about is college football. 
so not not any disrespect toward any of them athletes, but yeah, you're exactly right. There were a lot of other people who were impacted by this, and, and I, I don't think they I don't think they were given a fair shake either. Not at all. Just like I feel like a lot of these players, um, especially especially in the in the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, um, it's just it's just absolutely terrible. And, and Kevin Warren. Uh, <laughs> who has threatened to kick Nebraska out if they play elsewhere? Um, <clears throat> that that guy is just—he's just a freaking turd. I, I mean, that—that's all it is. Uh, you know, he's saying they can't go play elsewhere and not be a part of member of the Big Ten Conference. Uh, so l- let me tell you this: uh, I-, I think each school in the Big Twelve gets around about uh, fifty million dollars uh, per school for TV. So I'm pretty sure Nebraska would welcome that with open arms if they're no longer welcome uh, in the Big Ten. Yeah, I I think so too. Justin, we're going to take our first break here. When we come back, we're going to kind of talk about uh, something you were kind of touching on there. We're going to have some what-if scenarios to talk about with college football some of the what ifs of uh who we think probably and you know in our opinion should try to still play this fall uh, from those conferences that uh, are not playing at this moment so when we come back we're going to have a little bit more on that stay tuned What's going on, everyone? Thank you so much for joining me this far into the podcast. Don't forget, you guys can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on Google Play. And you can leave ratings and reviews along the way as well. And don't forget, on social media, at underscore Talking Schmidt on Twitter and on Facebook, at Talking Schmidt Podcast. All right, let's get back to the action. All right, everyone, welcome back to episode 24 of Talking Schmidt. I'm joined by my first segment guest. It's Justin Kleiner. We're back in to keep talking about college football. As I mentioned, Justin was on with me earlier this week uh, on our Tuesday show. He's now back with me on Thursday just because of what's going on in the college football realm. Um, Now, I have some what-if scenarios and and some ideas that I have. Uh, You know, I, I think if... Really, when you're looking at some of these conferences, and, and, and just to really take the Big Ten and the uh, Pac-12 as the as the two major conferences, obviously with the Power Five, the other three saying that they were going to play. Uh, a few of the teams, I feel that you know this could be a great run for if they just decided to say, you know what, uh, we're not going to put up with this, and I would love to see them join in, whether it's with the ACC squads, whether it's with SEC squads, or some of the Big Twelve. Um, we kind of touched on it with Nebraska. I think that I think they're better off, honestly, being at that moment where they just say, you know what, one of the biggest biggest impacts on our economy in Lincoln, Nebraska, is college football. Uh, I feel that that's one of those teams, and I I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like the Big Twelve uh, would welcome them back with uh, open arms, kind of the prodigal son situation. I feel Iowa could do that as well. Um, Ohio State would be another team that could just say, you know what. Let's go ahead and see what we can do. Uh, we need to play a football season. Um, on top of that, I feel Michigan could do it, and maybe Michigan State be a little bit different because it is a it is a state school. Um, but other school, I mean, that's kind of like the main schools. I think Penn State would be another one that could be fun to see them maybe in the ranks of the ACC. If you're looking at some of the big uh, Big Ten teams, Justin, who do you think would have the best opportunity if they were to step out and still play in the fall? Oh man, uh, that that that's a really good question. 
Um, man, I mean, is Ohio State the opt out here? I mean, is that is that kind of a is that just kind of a pussy willow move to take them? If they stepped out on their own? No, I, I think that's a smart. I think that's probably <laughs> one of the, the smartest decisions or the smartest one that you could say. I mean, I mean with Justin Fields coming back uh, and Ryan Day, I mean, I honestly think that whole debacle that went down with Urban Meyer, I don't just think, I know. Uh, Ohio State's better for that with Ryan Day versus Urban Meyer, I, you know, in my humble opinion. Uh, but, I mean, I think it's a no-brainer. You have to go with Ohio State. Uh, and I would say Penn State is a tight, tight second for that. Uh, you know, now that may be my James Franklin bias coming in, uh, but you know, I, I think these, I think these teams are, are onto something here that are willing to break away and play on their own. Um, I just hope they have the full endorsement and support of their leaders at their university, not just uh, you know the presidents, but the other leaders, uh, including the presidents. When I look, I mean, obviously we don't really, I guess we can't really say if, you know, if we have a spring season or not. I just don't think they are, um, you know, from if, you, if you're just tuning in, you missed a great first segment, go back and re-listen. But um, if, you, if you think about it, you know, if, if there's no spring season, which again, trying to make them play eight and a half months of football in one calendar year, just, it doesn't seem feasible by any means. You have Ohio State who has um, 84 overall first round draft picks in the NFL 84 they had three in this past year but I mean you think about the years where they just have so many dominant teams and so many players taken in the first round of the NFL draft who end up becoming uh top talents I mean you think of Joey Bosa Nick Bosa recently I mean rookies of the year uh we'll see what Chase Young does uh you know Jeff Okuda who is the those were two and three this past year so when you look at things like that um you know my mind kind of goes and it's just like what are we going to what are we going to see? What do we? What will we know? What are we going to get if Ohio State doesn't play a season? How do we know? You know, I mean, do we just go off of what what could have been, what might have been? Um, how do you really make something like that happen? How does the NFL prepare for these guys? Because there's a possibility the only action these guys get are at the combine at this point that they all just leave early. Also. How does this affect any draft portals? Are some of these guys going to try and say, hey, you know what? There's no guarantee of having a spring season. I feel like I'm ready for the pros. What stops them from entering the draft portal to play at one of these major conference schools uh, or like an SEC, uh, like an ACC, or a Big 12? Well, so first off, if, if you are a top, I would say probably if you're a top 15 guy in uh, college football right now, so you know you're going to be a top 15 draft pick. Um, you're done. You, you hang everything up now and you start getting ready. Um, because as of everything we're looking at right now, you know, from the NFL, their plan is to start on time. So, you know, they're not going to move the combine or the draft. Because, you know, you have some idiots in the Pac-12 and the Big Ten that just wanted to cancel and throw college football season down the drain. So, you know, even if you do say, for the sake of our conversation here, you do have a spring sport uh, with football, those guys, are, <laughs> those guys aren't going to play. Because then that, that, that puts them not being ready to fall in line uh, with the NFL and their schedule. And, I mean, you know, nothing against their love for their team or their teammates, 
But if you're in top 15 you know, talent right now, that's a lot of money on the line. Uh, and so I think, you know, a lot of these guys, like, you know, that West tackle out of Oregon, uh, that dude is not going to try to transfer out of Oregon uh, if they don't play this fall. He's just going to take it and hang it up, and he's going to be the number one left tackle taken. So I, I think that kind of answers your question right there. The guys that are ready to go now are just going to sit out, and they're not even going to play the spring, and nor are they going to come back. But, you know, let's take, for instance, say you have a third to a fifth rounder, okay, on a team. Guy's probably going to get drafted someday, probably on the second or third day of the NFL draft. Say he wants to try to bump his draft stock. Well, I mean, if you could transfer to, say, the University of Tennessee, who said they're going to have a football program this fall, why would you not transfer there, try to play, you know, for them, and improve your draft stock? No, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, you think about a guy like Justin Fields um, and, and what he's projected to have as a season, and uh, you got a guy down in Oklahoma by the name of Lincoln Riley who's been the quarterback guru and a whisperer um, with Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, um, and, and even Jalen Hurts this past year. Uh, how, do, how do you not, if you're Lincoln Riley, I mean, do you have somebody reaching out right now saying, hey, um, we're going to play football this year. Do you want to have the you know? Do you want to have a chance to win a Heisman? Um, I mean, because he has the resume to say, "Hey, I've, I've had two former Heisman Trophy winners, and I had Jalen Hurts who was uh, in the running." So you know, I mean, how do you not stop a guy like that who knows, like, "Hey, I want to play college football." How do you not stop him from trying to go to a place like Oklahoma? Yeah, yeah. So the only problem you're going to run into right now with like automatic transfers is, you know, most college football camps have started. Uh, and so they're they're rolling they're they're rolling full steam ahead. Uh, so it, it would be hard unless you have just an exceptional talent come in, uh, because you know you've had guys that have been in your system, they've been at your practices. Uh, you know, it's uh, it would be tough just to push one of like you know quote unquote your guys to the side for you know somebody to come in or bringing somebody in to compete at the last minute. And then how do you balance your scholarships? I, I think if you open up the transfer floodgates, that's going to throw off the scholarship numbers. Uh, as well, if you have a spring sport, uh, you're going to be carrying a lot of a lot of scholarships over. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't think they should necessarily stop players uh, if that's what they want to do. Uh, I think what would be cool to see is maybe to see some of them transfer down to the FCS level and watch them just dominate down there. But, again, that, that wouldn't improve their draft stock. I'm just being selfish that Austin P may pick up a good player or two. But, uh, you know, I I think if, if guys are at a school that's not going to play football and they want to play football, they need to be able to transfer and play football this year. Uh, it's just the logistics of it. I'm just not 100% on how fluent that that, that process would be. Now, I, I want to look at it as well. Uh, we talked about Big uh, Big Ten teams that we'd want to see. Um, for me personally, if we look at Pac-12 teams, obviously I, I would love to see USC come out and play um, against some of these Big Ten teams, or excuse me, Big 12 teams, um, some of the SEC squads. I mean, the, the opener for Alabama this year was supposed to be Alabama-USC. We knew that. Um, I feel like that's probably one of the top teams. Oregon would be another one. Uh, they're just in areas where you know it just wouldn't happen. I feel like if there was going to be any teams that would play from the Pac-12 this year, 
probably Arizona, Arizona State might be the only two that could really um, break uh, break away if they uh, had the opportunity to. I don't know if you feel the same way on that. Yeah. I know you have a lot of bias against the Pac-12 anyway, but um, what team would you want to see maybe compete against some of his other squads, and who do you think would be the most realistic, I guess, are my questions. Well, First off, if you're going to bring up USC, I, I've got to hit on this, okay? Um, this is just USC fans' luck uh, that they're not going to have a college football season because now you know you're stuck with Helton for another year. And that just, you know, that just sucks. It sucks for Clay Helton. It sucks for USC fans, you know, because that university is just such an absolute disaster in the way it's ran. Uh but, uh, you know, you're stuck with Clay Helton again. I mean, as a USC fan, that's really got to stink. Uh, but I just couldn't let you bring up them and, you know, just let you ride flat past on Clay Helton and not bring it up. Uh, but, you know, I, I do think you're right. I think the Arizona teams uh, probably will. You know, I don't see anybody like Cal or Washington, Washington State breaking out. Um, I just feel like their, their leadership in their state are extremely too liberal. Uh, and they would almost have to play a you know road season, you know a road game every week, uh, and I just don't think that's fair to the players to expect them to do that. Uh, but yeah, I mean I think you're right. Probably Arizona, Arizona State would be the only two. But what what hurts the Pac-12 the most? And this is what hurts them any football season, especially when they have really good talent uh, like a Jordan uh, McCaffrey uh, who plays for the Panthers now, uh, or like an Andrew Luck, or like a Marcus Mariota. Uh, or even, I mean, you could go back as far as Leonard and Bush, you know, except, you know, they were national title contenders those years. Um, but the Pac-12, you know, you have your, your East Coast bias. You know, those games come on typically so late at night. A lot of people don't get to see them. Um, so I honestly think when everybody said, hey, the Pac-12 said they're not playing, I want to say probably 70% of college football fans were like, okay. You know, sucks for them, but that doesn't affect our college football season. Uh, and then, you know, when you have somebody more serious like the Big Ten do it, that's when it really is like, okay, this is a red flag moment. We've got to figure this out. This is a problem. And again, nothing against those things. Like I just listed guys, they're just generational talent. Um, but because of they play out there on the West Coast, they just don't get the exposure that guys that play in, you know, the Midwest and the, and the Southern region of the United States get. And, and it is unfair to those players, but, you know, with the Pac-12, you know, geographically where they're at, it's going to be tough for them to try to play if they can't play within their division. And, and it, like I said, it's really unfortunate, but I, I really do think that they're done. I, I don't see any way they could be like an Ohio State or a Penn State and they could just break off and do their own thing for a season. Uh, I just don't see that happening with the Pac-12, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of a that's why I kind of saved them for this point because I know that they're kind of a uh, uh I wouldn't say a lost cause but in in the grand scheme of things um they kind well, of Because I think USC, correct me if I'm wrong, USC's got a pretty good quarterback this year. Yes. They normally have They normally have a pretty good quarterback uh kind of coming in most years and it's just that they miss the pieces when the other pieces are there. Um, that's kind of what happens at USC, uh, except for the, obviously the Bush Leinart, uh, era of USC. But yeah, um, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, they're not going to play it. They'll definitely not play a spring season. Um, that's for certain. Uh, I, I just don't see the PAC 12 doing it either. 
Um, and so, like you said, yeah, it's going to be a lot of things that are left, uh, you know, some some non-harmonious uh, situations between, you know, people on teams and, um, you know, coaching staffs. And, and, and we're just kind of getting a, a moment where it's just, you know, uh, I think you might have been better off. Now, I will say this much. If you do look at the coronavirus cases, uh, you can kind of see maybe a California not really wanting to do it since they do have the top uh, amount of cases in their state. Uh, and we know what's been going on with California. So that's probably one of those things. But you, you do, you know, you do have to feel for the situation when you're looking out there because, you know, there probably are a lot of players that are on these teams who want to play. Yeah, but when you look at these coronavirus numbers, and this is not me being, being an antagonist here, you kind of have to look at it region by region as far as the state. Uh, it is very densely concentrated in the state of California. Uh, it is not completely statewide mayhem. Uh, and then you, what you have to look at, too, is the delay in testing. The delay in testing is so backlogged in the state of California that by the time these test results are back to these people, a lot of them are already recovered. Uh, so I think that's something we have to keep in mind, too. You just can't say, oh, God, the state of California is on fire over here. Uh, but, you know, you really have to understand where these cases are coming from, how densely connected they are, uh, because that's something I think we're kind of just glossing over. And we, we kind of really need to look at it and say, okay, look at these numbers. Where are they coming from? They're coming from your most populous areas in the state. They're very centralized. Uh, and like I said, the backlog and the reports and all that, that really slows and kind of skews the numbers, makes certain days look worse than others. Uh, but, you know, I, I do think what's a little different than what they're going to face in the Pac-12 is what, you know, they're, what we're going to have problems with in the Midwest is you look at a team like like Iowa, who, who's a great football program. The, the, the people, you, you've been close to that region. You understand what football means in the state of Iowa. Yeah. And you've got the Hawkeyes who, you know, are by far probably the, the favorite team across the entire state on average. Yes. Okay? They they can't play this year. Okay? But you've got the Cyclones who can't, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> do the Cyclones now take over the number one spot in the state of Iowa? Yes. Uh, because they're allowed to play because of the conference they're in. And, and I'm sure there are other examples like that within, uh, you know, college football. But that's just one that comes to mind. And you just think about it for a minute, and you're like, well, dang, that, that is absolutely ludicrous. You know, what, what makes these guys okay to play but not us? Why, why did our leadership make the decision they make? And, again, I hate to beat a dead horse, uh, but you know me, uh, and anybody that listens to this has obviously learned in the last 24 episodes uh, that I don't mind to beat a dead horse again and again. And, and what you have to keep – what I keep coming back to, the more that I read about all this, and the more that I try to understand uh, where where someone else is coming from, because when I disagree with something, I try to look at it from the other side and see what would make those people feel the way that they do as to what would lead them to their statements that they make. Uh, and when I look at this one on them wanting to cancel the football, you know, Ethan, I really just come back to it. It's just an absolute attack on, ma- on masculinity. Th- these people hate masculinity so much, they're driving them crazy. And, and hopefully these people will stand up when they see the ignorancy that's going on, especially, you know, in, a, in the state of Iowa where the Hawkeyes can't play, but the Cyclones can. Hopefully normal people are just like, yeah, this makes no sense. They just need to play damn football. And, and so that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, but I, I don't know that everybody out of the out of the Big Ten is going to play this year. 
but I think you're going to see. I, I really do believe Ohio State will break off and do their own thing. Uh, and, and I and I would think Penn State would be able to do the same also. Yeah, you would you would hope that would kind of be the case. Uh, um, I believe uh, what was the the most recent what we've seen for college football for the SEC. I kind of want to jump into this. Um, was it Mizzou that ended up picking up what Alabama and LSU? Is that the two that they picked up this uh, on this on this new new schedule? Is that what we're seeing? I believe that's what it is. Um, yeah, that that was dumb. Yeah. Uh, let's yeah, Alabama and LSU <laughs> were the were the two pickup games that they got. They'll host Alabama. They'll be at LSU, and on the other side of that, I believe I'm, I'm trying to find this real quick, but I believe Arkansas uh, they picked up Georgia, um, and Florida. Who do you? Yeah, th- well, it, it- it, it, so there were some winners and losers in this, and then there was Mizzou. Uh, you know, they just took it on the chin with their opponents. Uh, I, I think probably the team that came out the best season would probably be LSU. And I hate to throw some shade at my Vandy boys because uh, I love D Mace. Uh, but, you know, I would say LSU picking up Vanderbilt, Missouri is, is pretty good. Uh, Alabama picked up a game against Kentucky and Missouri. Uh, that's that's pretty good for Nick Saban. I, I'm sure he was smiling and eating his Cheerios. <laughs> and then, like you said, Arkansas definitely a loser picking up Florida and Georgia. Who do you I think mean, had you the bigger loss there, there, Missouri, or do you feel Arkansas? Uh, looking at the two teams they picked up, I, I would have to go Mizzou just because of the fact that it's Alabama and LSU. But then again, not the same LSU that we saw last year. But I think we kind of know what we're getting from Georgia and Florida. So again, yeah, who yeah, do you but, feel? But listen. Listen here, I'm going to throw some more shade back at USC. Don't sleep on Coach O. Uh, USC ran him out of town. That's a tough one, man. Uh, I can't believe you do that to me right now. And and, and, and USC fans should not be – they deserve Clay Helton the same way that that Tennessee fans deserve Derek Dooley and uh, Butch Jones after they ran Fulmer out of town. USC, after running Coach O out, deserves uh, Clay Helton. Um, but back on to this, don't sleep on LSU. LSU's going to be, be pretty damn good this year. I know they did lose the best player in college football last year in Joe Burrow, uh, who, of course, went on to be the number one overall pick. They did lose him, but don't, don't sleep on him. Listen, I'm telling you, if, if I was the head coach of Missouri, I would be a lot, I'd be a lot more worried about LSU and Alabama than I ever would Florida and Georgia. Uh, and I, <laughs> that's just, I mean, man, they, they got a tough draw there. I, I'll tell you, I feel pretty bad for them, but, you know, daggum, how lucky could Alabama and LSU get? <laughs> I mean, it's just like, it's just like you, you want to say there's no, like, that it's not rigged or anything, but when everything shakes out like this, you just kind of have to wonder, like, okay, I see what you did there. That was pretty slick. Uh, but, you know, that, that does put them on a pretty good path forward you know, to get to that, you know, 11 or 12 win mark. Because, uh, you know, they've, they've got some pretty winnable games. Uh, but, you know, again, with, you know, we know with Alabama and LSU both being in the West down there, you know, it, it's going to be tough because uh, they have to play one another. Uh, but, yeah, at, at the shuffle reset, Mizzou took it on the chin. I mean, the worst part is now you have to watch an extra game of them play on that ugly-ass field that Mizzou has 
with whatever crazy font they put on that field. I don't all know right, what all right. it Leave is. Leave Field alone. I, I actually enjoy Faroe Field, man. It, it is absolutely damn. It, it may be great in person, Ethan, but when you try to sit there and watch it on TV, it is just so hard to watch. Uh, again, it could be hard to watch because it's Mizzou football, or it could just be hard to watch because of the uh, font they have on the field. I, I'm not sure which one. Uh, but uh, speaking of Derek Dooley, isn't he at Missouri still? Uh, the OC there still? Uh, I can't remember if Dooley's still there or not. I believe he might be, um, which, you know, I haven't seen any yellow pants on the sideline, so I don't know if it's maybe that I just wasn't looking. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's see where he's at. Senior, uh, he's actually a senior offense assistant for the Giants. That's right. He's he's in the pros, man. Really? Yeah. So he made a big what? jump in life. Um, you know, there's reachers and there's settlers in life, and somehow he's still reaching and going. Um, but with that, uh, you know, I'm actually, I'm actually very partial, man. I actually enjoy Faroe Field a lot. It's a, it's a great atmosphere. It's where all the high school state championships are in the state of Missouri. So kind of partial to that, man. I actually enjoy Faroe Field a lot, but Justin kind of moving on here, my final, my final topic for you. And, and what we're going to go into is some more what if scenarios. Uh, you, you look at some of those, some of those matchups that could quite possibly happen. You have Nebraska. If you think Nebraska could jump out, things like that. Is there is there games that you would like to see if we take away the conferences and just had one big thing? What games would you want to see on some of these teams' schedules that you would just absolutely have to turn tune into? I know like an Alabama Clemson or you know something like that would be one, but you know just kind of maybe an old rivalry that could be renewed or something like that that you'd absolutely want to tune into if you didn't have the parameters of say conferences. I, I mean, I, again, you know, I. It, it, if the, if we could just write our own rules here, um, I would like to see I would like to see a regular season matchup between uh, you know like Texas and an SEC school, Oklahoma and an SEC school, um, just to, just so they can find out early in the year where they stand. That way, they don't have to wait till they get their ass kicked in the you know the playoffs. Uh, so I would like to see that just so we can get the fat trimmed off early on in the season out of the way. Uh, but I think giving those teams that are in the Big Ten some more difficult regular season play uh, would be good. So really any of those teams versus the top, really any of those teams versus the team in the SEC, I'm going to be game to watch. You know, we can take out a team like Vanderbilt and Missouri going up against an Ohio State because, again, that, that's just not, that's just not going to be fair. Uh, but I think, you know, like a regular season matchup between like Florida and Penn State would be cool. Or Georgia – and Ohio State. I think that would be interesting. And then you mix, you know, the ACC in there where you could get a Clemson versus, you know, an Ohio State, you know, you know, week eight or nine of the year would be cool to see. Uh, I'm not much for nostalgia. You know, I believe the past is the past. You should move on. Uh, so I just want to see, like, some really cool matchups, uh, not necessarily some old rivalries renewed. Uh, but for those who are fans of that, if they want it, they can do that on their own podcast. <laughs> well, that's why I have my own podcast. I'd like to see. Um, there we go. That's a good segue, right? Uh, I'd like to see some of those. Uh, I set you up. Yeah, I set you up. Uh, I'd like to see maybe some of those old like Nebraska Oklahoma rivalry. I know it would not be the same um, anymore just because of the change, the way that they had Nebraska's had to change kind of their offense and everything like that to match more of the Big Ten play uh, compared to uh, an Oklahoma. But 
You know, we've obviously seen Oklahoma versus Ohio State during the regular season, the Battle of Baker Mayfield. Love to see that again. I'd like to see an Oklahoma-Georgia matchup because uh, we know the last time that that sure. happened when, you know, a spot in the championship was on the line. It was it was a darn good game. Granted, I don't know if the talent would be the same, but could be pretty close to that one. And then I know an old rivalry that I think a lot of people, it probably would not be the greatest game ever played. But how about an old rivalry renewed with Kansas and Missouri? You wouldn't watch that? Uh, you wouldn't I watch mean, that? The only reason I would watch it is because of a very uh, a guy I know very well that uh, used to be the offensive line coach and the run game coordinator for Austin P. Uh, coach Hurgle, he's there. I would probably watch it just to see if they could pull it off. Um, it would not be great football. It would not be must-see. Uh, but for those fan bases, I think it may be important to them. Uh, and, and listen, as a fan of the sport and a fan of in particular teams, um, yes. I, I mean, if, if I was a Kansas fan, I would be all for it. If I was a Missouri fan, I'd be all for it. Uh, but again, I, I don't think for the overall, you know, I, I think more of a, a regular season matchup between a top from a top tier teams would be more intriguing to your average college football fan who just likes college football in general. Uh, but those would definitely benefit those fan bases. Uh, but you know, I don't know if now would be the time to want that when you can't have fans. Cause I feel like without fans, it's just a dud where if you throw fans in the mix and you do like a, a, a neutral site, you know, say somewhere and maybe like Arrowhead, if you did like a neutral site there, uh, and you split the tickets up 50-50, I think that might would be cool. Uh, but I think to drive a low-tier rivalry game like that, you'd have to have the fans involved. Yeah, that and that rivalry is a little bit more for basketball anyway, um, more so than it is a, a big football rivalry, be more you know with the basketball rivalry. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that it would just be kind of cool, like you said, for the people who enjoy the Nostalgia Act, to kind of have those moments and to see what old rivalries maybe could be put back into place if you kind of let some of these ADs and whatnot just kind of talk to each other and be like, hey, what can we make happen? Where What games can we put onto this schedule, um, you know, and, and just not have the borders? Now, one thing I think about that as well, when I truly look at it, um, uh, with, with a lot of these schools, is just uh, if you did have that open boundary there, um, do you think all four spots in the playoffs would go to the SEC squad? Ooh. No. As much as I'm biased toward the SEC, I think they would have I think they would have three. I don't know if they could pull all four off. I, I just you know, we'll, we would I would have to see Ohio State play a couple of games before I'm willing to say the SEC would take all four. Uh, because, again, Ryan Day is, is a football genius, uh, and Justin Fields is an exceptional talent. I'm not sure how well that translates to the next level, uh, but I, 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 you really can't take Ohio State or Clemson out right now uh, because we know how important the quarterback position is. I mean, just ask LSU, uh, and uh, you can see, you know, not only is it important in the NFL now, but it's also very vital in college football Uh you know, you can't you can't win with a mediocre quarterback anymore. So I, I mean, I really don't know that I would feel comfortable giving the SEC three right now. Uh, I would say preseason ops. You know, if you had to throw it out there, probably two. Uh, if I had to bet on it, I would bet the uh, if the line was at two and a half, I would do under, not over. 
if that makes sense to you. Uh, you know, I would think maybe two SEC teams, Clemson and Ohio State, would be who it is. Uh, until there's some SEC teams like Georgia that can step up and make a difference. Well, that is, uh, that's that's going to wrap it up for us here on this episode of Talking Schmidt. Justin, thank you for joining me twice this week. Uh, we're going to try to make this a little bit more regular where Justin and I are on for the entire show together uh, and then work in special guests throughout the, uh, throughout the other show during the week. So that's kind of where we're looking at as we move forward because, as I mentioned when we started this off, we're about to hit that quarter-century mark of shows uh, this next week. Next Tuesday, we'll have our 25th episode um, excited for that. Excited to see this continued growth of this show. But as always, Justin, thanks so much for joining me. It, my, my pleasure as always. Uh, I'll just say this. I'm glad that I'm not the one that has to do the editing and production side because uh, that, that would put me way out of my league there. I, all, I'm, all I'm good at is really talking. Uh, and if you were to ask some of the people who listen to this, they may think I suck at that too. Uh, so hats off to you for the production side of things. Because uh, like I said, I'd be way, way out of my league with that. Well, no worries, man. I try to make you sound good every time, and I, I still have the clown horn available whenever needed. Um, so just know that <laughs> we'll, is there. We'll only need that if we bring up China in the NBA. You'll need a lot of clown horns for that one. All right. Well, I'll, I'll make sure whenever that happens, if that ever happens, <laughs> that I'll make sure to have that ready. Justin, again, thanks so much for joining, man. For episode 24 of Talking Schmidt, we are officially in the books. Like I said, join us again on Tuesday because it is episode 25 of Talking Schmidt. We'll have all that and more next week. Thanks so much for listening.